Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome back to I'm Not Crazy, the podcast where we take the strange and the abnormal and we try to make sense of it. I'm Cameron Jones with my co-host. Nicole. And before we break into this week's topic, I have to say... I saw a UFO last week, and nobody believed me. My friends mocked me openly. You've seen the video. Yeah. Uh, yes, we've posted it to social media. Uh, you can follow us at Majestic Jam uh, on TikTok and or just I'm Not Crazy Pod on all their social media. But I saw a spaceship, I'm pretty sure, flying around downtown Chicago that looked a shit ton like the Flight of the Navigator spaceship, if you've ever seen that movie. No, I've not seen it, but it did look like a UFO to me too. Thank it you. was very, uh, it was very tiny, but I mean, I, I didn't expect you to be up close and personal to it. How long were you following it for, though? I saw it for like ten minutes, and this is the only time in my life I stopped traffic. I just stopped my car, blocked traffic to whip out my <laughs> phone, which is it's a very short video because people were very angry at me, but rightfully so. It looked weird in the video. It looks like it's just following. Or sorry, falling, but it hovered around. It raised an altitude. It, it lowered. It looked like it was swaying a little bit, though, as it was yeah, like going on, in away. My, it kind of looks like a bag in the wind on my video, unfortunately. But in exciting no, news, not necessarily a bag in the wind. But so go ahead and check us out. I'm not crazy, or the Majestic Jam Network on social media to check out some of that footage. But I'm pretty sure I saw a UFO. Let so. us know what you think. If you think it's a bag in the wind, or if you think it's a UFO, also, I or mean, if people think it's a drone. But this week, we're talking about a fun topic, ghost ships. Love the paranormal. Now, what do you know about ghost ships? Because there are two different types we have here. Two different types. We have the ghost ship that is like everyone died on board. It's missing, but we keep seeing this mysterious sunken ship sailing around. Okay. And then there's the type of ghost ship where a ship is found where the entire crew is missing. Oh. So those are the two categories we have here. By definition, I didn't ghost know they were by categories. Well, that's just like the two main kinds I'm finding here. So that's what I'm breaking down. Oh, okay. Uh, so by definition, ghost ships or phantom ships are vessels that are discovered with no living crew aboard. So technically, it is the one where everyone's missing. But mm-hmm. a lot of times, we do have those like straight up paranormal ghosty ships that are seen, you know, that have known to have been sunken like 60 years previous, but there she is going by on the seashore. Ooh, like the Black Pearl. Yeah, essentially. The Pirates of the Caribbean. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, essentially that's what we're going for. Cool. So I broke these down into dates. There are many of these, and a lot of them do deserve their own probably episode in a deep dive at some point, Mm -hmm. or at least a couple of these. So this is just a light scratch on the surface of some of these fun ghost ship stories, okay? Okay. So we're going to start in 1647 with the ghost ship of New Haven. Religious settlers first began colonizing New Haven in the late 1630s, with hopes of establishing a trading community that would ship furs and other goods to Boston and New York. Several different merchant ventures were created, uh, but all had failed miserably, and the town was struggling to survive pretty bad. Mm -hmm. Uh, With their spirits and capital low, prominent merchants in town pulled their resources together to build one last boat that was supposed to be the savior of their town, their one last shipping vessel to move their furs and all these trading plans that they had. Okay. Uh, So in January 1647, the ship was complete and ready to set sail. Reverend John Davenport, the founder of the town, commemorated the launch with a prayer saying, Lord, if it be thy pleasure to bury these friends in the bottom of the sea, they are thine. Save them. (laughs) Yeah, so (laughs) seems like he's dooming them from the start. Yeah, basically. Lord, if you want my friends, have them. So thank you, Reverend John Davenport. Sending Uh, people to their death. Yeah. And with that rousing speech, uh, the ship set sail from the harbor with the promise of saving the new community. Uh, So that spring, other merchant vessels began arriving from England, but none had any uh, news of the ship that left from New Haven earlier in their crossing or arriving at port. 
Uh, so the townspeople obviously began to worry that they had lost yet another venture, as well as like all the lives on board. Mm-hmm. Uh, so in the same vein as the preacher before, the townspeople began to pray, quote, that the Lord would, if it was his pleasure, let them hear what he had done with their dear friends and prepare them for suitable submission to thy holy will. So Great. their prayer was, let them into heaven. You probably, they're dead. They're mm-hmm. dead. We think they're all dead. Take them. Um, so that June, a full six months after the ship had set sail, a great thunderstorm struck the community. Uh, in the aftermath of the storm, the, uh, the townspeople were amazed to see what looked like their missing ship mysteriously sailing against the winds at full sail in the harbor. Uh, the townsfolk watched the ship for half an hour, claiming at one point to be near enough to hit it with a stone. So what? Th- yeah, the same ship apparently just floating around the harbor close enough that you could throw a rock at it. So that's close enough to tell yeah. what it is, you'd assume. Uh, so suddenly the ship began to break apart as though it was battered against rocks and on an invisible storm. Uh, the mast fell, the sails were torn off, and it sank beneath the water, vanishing in a smoky cloud. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, the people who witnessed it, the people who witnessed it, said that it looked like a recreation of the past, an answer to their prayers, telling them the fate of the ship. So the people think this was an answer to their prayers, even though their prayer was just like let him into heaven instead of like what happened. They already knew what happened. Yeah, I think they kind of assumed what had gone down. The accounts of this come to us from Reverend Cotton Mathers, uh, who published the story in Magnolia Christie's Americana, which was published in 1702. Uh, this story came to him by a letter he received from a New Haven pastor who was not a personal witness, but had heard about it from people there. So this is coming from another pastor who heard from a friend of a friend from that area that that ghost story happened. So no no first-hand account here. Uh, There are also versions of the story that the ship returned one year later uh, and replayed the sinking again, but this time it took place in the sky. Uh, What? Yeah, apparently this happened in the clouds. Uh, In this version, it was supposed to be meant as a sign that the community had placed too much importance on commerce and profit, so God was, you know, vengefully being like, fuck you from the sky. (laughs) Um, Crazier theories link this to alien visitation, but I'm not going to touch on that. I don't think. Yeah. A lot of these end in, but was it aliens? And just goes into the ancient alien side of it, but we're not going to do that. We'll save that for another thing because aliens are real. Okay. So that one's just a fun ghost ghost story. That one seems very black, pearly, and just supernatural. Yeah. That's fun. Yeah. Uh, The Octavius in 1775. So the Octavius is a legendary ghost ship story. Uh, In 1761, the ship departed from England with cargo destined for China. The ship left the port with a full 28-man crew, the skipper, his wife, and son. Uh, There were no issues with the voyage, and they arrived safely in China the following year. Mm -hmm. Uh, They unloaded the cargo, resupplied, and loaded up the ship with goods now for England on their return trip. Okay. With the weather being unseasonally warm, the captain decided to take a gamble on a lesser-known Northwest Passage that had never been successfully traveled. Jesus Christ. (laughs) Yeah. You're going to find a lot of these stories. It's like the captain decided to make a grave mistake that they would probably abandon ship for. So that's going to be a lot of these. Uh, so with everything loaded and ready to go, the ship departed for home, never to return. But it was not the last that we would see of the ship. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this one's spooky too. On October 11, 1775, the whaling ship Herald was hunting in the frigid waters off Greenland when it spotted a sailing ship. Mm-hmm. As they approached, the crew saw that the ship was weather-beaten and the sails were tattered and torn. 
The Herald's captain ordered a boarding party of five men to search the missing Octavius. They found the deck deserted and broke open the ship's hatch to find the entire crew of 28 men frozen to death in their quarters. Oof. Uh, moving on to the captain's quarters, uh, they found that the captain was also frozen to death uh, with the ship's log in front of him and the pen still in hand. So, like, this is, like, kind of... That's this, spooky. Yeah, why this is almost, like, a, the the classic legendary one. We see this all the time in movies and pirate things. of like, yeah. the captain's still dead in his chair, riding in the log, everyone dead around. This is kind of where we get that imagery from. Uh, the items were on his desk were still orderly, and everything seemed in its place, so nothing was really a strewn or about. Mm-hmm. Uh, when they turned around and searched the rest of the captain's crew, or the captain's quarters... Uh, they found the captain's wife naked with his son frozen to death, huddled together on the bed. So probably, I'm guessing, body warmth yeah, trying to do that's... something like that. But why naked? I, 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 aren't you supposed to get more body heat if you're naked, skin-to-skin contact? Maybe, I think but I would... I think it was survivalist body heat kind of thing. Oof. Or, you know, they got weird in the end. <laughs> because of the frigid temperatures, it is said that the bodies on the ship are all very well preserved to add to the creepiness. So, like, everyone was pretty intact. Yeah, not surprised. Uh, fearing that the ship was cursed, the search crew hastily grabbed the captain's log and retreated back to the Herald. Uh, but unfortunately, in their haste, they accidentally lost the majority of the log. Uh, the middle of the book, all the pages were frozen together. So as they were running to, away, the chunk just fell out the whole middle. So that all that actually survived was the first and the last page. Oh, my gosh. And the leather binding of the book. They only managed to save those first and last pages. Uh, but it was enough to determine the fate of the ship, uh, actually. Yeah. So the captain of the Octavius tried to navigate the Northwest Passage. But his ship became imprisoned in ice in the Arctic. So the entire crew and the captain's family just froze to death in case in the ice, just stuck in a block of ice in the middle of the ocean with nowhere to go. But it is crazy that everyone seemed to kind of die in place. Like there was no scenes of anyone like, I don't know, trying to survive. Everyone was either dead in their bunk, dead in their chair, just kind of like it seemed like everyone just sat down, gave up and froze to death. I mean, granted, it's frigid. You, I'm sure there's not a great heat source fire on this. Right. Old ship. There's really nowhere else to go. Yeah. We do have a few other stories like this that I actually didn't. There's one really good one that I didn't write that's kind of like this, where they got off the boat and then the boat took off. <laughs> really? Yeah, they end up fine, but it's a weird ghost story where it's like this boat for the last like 60 years has kept, get, it's been spotted everywhere and it just won't go down. Wow. It's a Canadian boat that I didn't talk about in this, but it's an interesting one. So they fear the ship is cursed. They take off immediately just because it's a terrifying sight to yeah. come on. Makes sense. Unfortunately, they lose all that. Um, okay, so he tried to navigate, uh, the captain of the Octavius tried to navigate the Northwest, Northwest Passage, but the ship became imprisoned in the Arctic ice. Uh, the entire crew and the captain's family froze to death. The ship's last recorded position while the crew was still alive was 75 north, 160 west, which is about 250 miles north of Alaska, but the ship was discovered near Greenland. So it did travel quite a bit of ground after it got unfrozen. Yeah. After returning to the Herald, the crew let the ship drift and it was never seen again. So eventually it did sink. So they didn't take any of the goods. They took nothing but the ship's logs and dipped. You think that they would loot? Yeah. I mean, a lot of these, well, surprisingly, a lot of the, in maritime law, you could take this in and there was an insurance payout where you would usually get like, it was more than half. You would get a good portion of the goods that the crew couldn't do. Yeah. But this one was so scary that fuck it. Screw it. Let those guys sink. Uh, so the Mary Celeste in 1872, mm-hmm. this is one of those big ones that has had a lot of paranormal episodes on it. And yeah. maybe someday we'll deep down, we'll, we'll break down to a deep dive of this one. Okay. So on, on November 7th, 1872, the 282 ton Brigantine Mary Celeste set sail for New York Harbor on its way to Genoa, Italy. 
and I also know now that a brigantine is a two-masted ship. It has two big masts with the sails on it. So when you see those big sailboats, yeah, two. It's got two of the big sails. Oh, okay. Yep. Or that might be something else. I think I learned that though. Sounds right to me. I don't know shit. So yeah, it sounds right to me. So on board again, we have a similar scene. We have the ship's captain, Benjamin S. Briggs, his wife, Sarah, and their two-year-old daughter, Sophia, along with eight crew members. Less than a month later, on December 5th, a passing British ship called De Gradia spotted the Mary Celeste at full sail adrift about 400 miles east of Azores. And sorry if I say some of these wrong, because we start getting to some tropical islands in different places, and I'm an uh, untraveled white Midwesterner, so I'm sorry, I'm uncultured, and I will say a few things wrong. But I'm trying my best here, everybody. Uh, so the captain of the De Gracia, David Morehouse, knew that the Mary Celeste had left port only a few days before they had, so it already should have reached its destination. Uh, so he sends a small boarding party to search the ship and offer assistance. The boarding party found the ship completely deserted without any indication as to the whereabouts of the crew. So this is one of our first ones of us finding a ship completely abandoned at sea. So below deck, the charts and maps had been tossed and scattered, but the crew's quarters and belongings were still in place. So all the maps and stuff are still there. They're just a little astrewn. Yeah. One of the ship's pumps had been disassembled and three and a half feet of water were sloshing about the bottom of the ship. That does seem like so it does it seem like they abandoned ship then? There are theories of that we will get to. So that is an alarming amount of water visually, but yeah. the, the ship was still sea, seaworthy. In fact, the ship did go on for many more years after this, after it was taken in. Oh, so wow. it could have been an alarming, but it was not detrimental to the ship immediately. Okay. Uh, one of the lifeboats was missing, but there was no evidence of any cause that would force the crew off the ship. Obviously, the water, and there are some technical issues, but not enough to get into a smaller ship in the ocean. That was still the better seaworthy vessel. Yeah. Uh, there was still six months supply of food and water on board as well. And the ship's cargo of 1,701 barrels of industrial alcohol were still present as well. Holy uh, crap. There were a few that were missing contents and we'll get to that as to why some of the theories as well okay so the de gratia tugged the ghost ship 800 miles to gibraltar to gibraltar god that is hard <laughs> uh, to turn the ship over to the proper authorities for investigation uh the british vice admiral court convened a salvage hearing which would determine uh whether the salvagers of the ship the de gratia were yeah. entitled to the insurance payment that i was talking about yeah the attorney general in charge of the inquiry Frederick Solly Flood suspected mischief and investigated further into the case uh, for an additional three months. Uh, the court did did not find any foul play, and they did eventually pay the salvagers one sixth of the forty six thousand dollars of what the ship was valued. So holy cow! So they should have actually been entitled to all of it. So that does kind of leave an overhanging shadow of like doubt on these guys that they clearly didn't want to pay them, but did because they couldn't find proof. Yeah. So because of that, there is a lot of questions leading to. Whether or not these guys just kind of pirated that ship, killed them, and then took it in. Yeah. So that is one of the main theories based off of this court hearing. Okay. But it took them three months to try to do... Because it, was, because it is so suspicious. They really did take the time looking into this one to see what happened to the crew. Uh, to add to the mystery, uh, the Mary Celeste had a dark history leading up to and following this event. It was originally christened the Amazon, uh, and it found misfortune when the boat's original captain died of a sudden illness. Later, it was involved in a collision in the English Channel with another ship, killing crew members, I think of both ships. I think it cut the ship in half, if I'm not mistaken, killing everyone, I believe, on board of that one. Mm -hmm. uh, and the Mary Celeste would sail under 12 new captains after this incident, because it was brought back, fixed up, and put back out, before it was run aground uh, intentionally for an insurance scam 12 years later. <laughs> Great. So, which was why also people think, like, it already has a history of kind of scammy stuff. Yeah. Like, maybe it was just a, a scam. 
So here are some of the theories. Cray's mutiny. So initial investigations of the ship found strange markings uh, that were thought to have been caused by an axe, along with traces of what seemed like blood. The attorney general leading the inquiry was kind of just stuck on the idea that it was the crew and which is why the court case. But his whole thing is they got violently drunk on the ship's cargo and then massacred everyone on board who wasn't drunk with them. Coming to their senses, they take the bodies or dump them to sea, get in the small lifeboat and just try to get out of there. But it kind of doesn't make sense. It's easy at sea to cover up, probably just throw those people overboard, bring the ship in, say they got sick. I mean, there seems to be easier ways than ditching the ship with all the cargo when you could complete your job, you know? Yeah. So that one seems a little weird. Uh, It was later found that the bloodstains were not bloodstains. It was just some other, I don't know, chemical, some other stain. And the axe marks were actual just natural wear and tear. So that is leading away from the mutiny thing. Uh, also, the alcohol was, was industrial grade, not meant for consumption. Like it would oh, probably poison you, yeah, or at least make you go real crazy. I know I listened to another podcast, possibly last last podcast on the left that did a little more deep dive into this one and why the alcohol is just totally not drinkable. And this is kind of a non theory, mm-hmm. natural disaster theory too. Uh, this one is essentially that a water spout, which is like a tornado out of the sea or an earthquake caused a large wave to cause some superficial damage. It was taking on some water and maybe they just thought that it was a little more dire of a situation. So they bailed ship kind of a similar thing. Prematurely just bailed ship. Yeah. But the problem with that also is it, it didn't seem to be to that dire situation yet to leave this ship for a smaller vessel during a storm, especially if it's a large wave or a water spout. Yeah. I wouldn't want in a lifeboat as opposed to like a Yeah, the lifeboat seems uh, like the worst of the two options. Yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> in that scenario. It makes nonsense. A lot of these have that problem with it of why would they get in the smaller boat for this theory you know yeah uh also on top of that uh there were other nearby ships like the degradia it also would have known of some of these weather phenomenons if that were the case they were pretty close by so that kind of counts that one out here's the most likely one and i've listened to a few different podcasts and theories on this and this is probably what it was Mm -hmm. so again the cargo they were transporting was volatile industrial alcohol right so there are records of lots of other ships catching fire or exploding Mm -hmm. uh because the the alcohol vapors would you know build up and then release from the barrels someone would have like a lantern down there boom the whole thing goes right and another big problem is there were two different types of barrels there's white oak and red oak red oak is more porous and it allows that liquid to evaporate out yeah so i mentioned that some of the barrels were empty on the ship Mm -hmm. so out of the 1700 something nine of those barrels were made out of red oak as opposed to white and they were empty part of that is think people thinking oh the mutiny they drank those nine barrels which is a lot of industrial alcohol to be drinking yeah but more likely it leaked it maybe they could smell it or they could smell the alcohol gas in the air they think that maybe they all retreated, got because they they were. It looks like they were maybe trying to get some of the the navigation systems. It was a scattered, and I think this is one of those stories where like there was still food being prepared. Like everyone kind of dropped what they were doing, so they theorized they got on the life vessel, tied maybe like a rope to it to wait in case it exploded. Yeah. Then maybe like the rope untied or something. They just drifted out to sea, never to be seen again. That's probably what happened. That's the theory I believe in. Okay. Uh, last but not least, there's also the alien theory. Of course. That's all it is. They got abducted by all these theories are like, oh, they were just abducted <laughs> by aliens out at sea. Sometimes there are other like there were strange lights reported in the skies at the time. But I didn't have the strength in me to look into all of these very loose like 
But was it aliens? Because it wasn't. This one, they probably just drifted off thinking the boat was going to blow up because they had the <laughs> wrong barrels. But that one is a very interesting one. The, the Mary Celeste is a famous missing person sea vanishing ghost ship story. Moving on to the SS Valencia, 1906. On Monday, January 22nd, 1906, the coastal passenger liner SS Valencia was traveling from San Francisco to Seattle with 108 passengers and 65 crew aboard. Uh, they passed through the entrance to the Strait of Juan de Fuca, which sounds like Juan the fucker to me. So I'm, <laughs> I'm sure my my French isn't great here. Uh, but Juan de Fuca, or Fuca, I don't know, uh, in stormy weather and ran aground on the southwest coast of Vancouver Island. Uh, the ship was trapped on a reef and stuck between a sheer rock and pounding breakers on either side. So as far as the ocean gets, they were stuck between a rock and a hard place. Yeah. Uh, the rocky, unpredictable terrain mixed with the bad weather made it impossible for rescue teams to safely approach. So people helplessly watched as the lifeboats were torn apart against the jagged rocks, throwing the occupants into the rough waters and killing them as they were bashed against the rocks to drown. Oof. Yeah. For more than 36 hours, rescuers watched uh, as terrified crew and passengers clung to the deck. 36 hours? 36 hours as people were clinging to the deck and the side of the ship helplessly. Uh, until finally, around that 36, 37 hour, a giant wave washed over the entire ship, washing everybody off with it and killing them. This is just one of those maritime horrific disasters. That sounds awful. Uh, there were 77 survivors and 136 deaths in the tragedy. So to the ghost shippy part. Yeah. In 1910, the Seattle Times and other newspapers reported that uh, mariners claimed that they had seen a phantom ship uh, resembling the Valencia on the rocks in the vicinity of the point where they were trapped. Uh, rumor also documented that a native fisherman, Clan Tom, and his wife reported seeing a lifeboat with eight skeletons in it nearby the cove also. I think a lot uh, of that is, I think a lot of this one is just bullshit and just urban yeah. legend. But it's just such a horrific story that that's one of those things that breeds legend in these type of urbans. Yeah. But. I still can't get over the 36. The 36 hours. Yeah. I mean, it's, I didn't even, it's not as bad as the SS, uh, what is it, that shark attack one that you hear about. I mean, it's in the movie Jaws, but. Yeah. The Annapolis, the Anna, I forget, Indianapolis, I can't remember off the top of my head, but that one is a horror show that maybe we'll, we'll, we'll get into that someday, but whew, that one's a bad loss at sea. Uh, so when transporting the survivors of the Valencia to Seattle, the city of Topeka, uh, which was the boat that had people on it, yeah. uh, stopped in the water to relay the news of Valencia's uh, passing to another passing vessel. Mm -hmm. And apparently during that stop, people on deck observed the Valencia sailing by once more with a skeleton crew, as in literally a crew of skeletons aboard working the ship. So this what? Is the, so this is the second time we have like a Pirates of the Caribbean living skeletons on on board this ship interesting uh so they were right these skeletons do you, wait do you say caribbean or caribbean highly depends on what we're talking about pirates pirates of the caribbean i went on a caribbean cruise uh, it, it depends on how white trashy you are if it's trash it's caribbean for some reason if it's fancier to me it's caribbean where do you land i'm trash caribbean oh how do you say pirates of the caribbean pirates of the caribbean so you don't say i don't say pirates of the caribbean yeah neither do I. i'm on the same thing that's what i'm saying i go on but a, you say caribbean Oh, well, I'm my throat's dry. <laughs> Caribbean. <laughs> You've been saying Caribbean, and I'm like, am I saying it wrong? Oh, maybe. I don't know. I say a lot of things wrong. If you guys hear another one, take a drink. I don't know. Uh, so also, they saw the skeleton crew riding in the same doomed rocky path as they would have beforehand. Yeah. Uh, and this is real, though. In 1933, Valencia's lifeboat number five was found drifting in Barkley Sound, still in good condition, despite 27 years of exposure to the elements. 
Uh, there were no people on the lifeboat. Uh, okay, so board. no skeleton crew this No, time. there was no skeleton okay. crew. But I was waiting for but it. But you know what? If there is a lifeboat 27 years later, maybe there was a boat with a bunch of skeletons for a while. Uh, so part of the lifeboat bearing the name Valencia is on display at the Marine Time Museum of British Columbia in Victoria, B.C. So that's super haunting. Yeah. I, I was thinking about it. It's super terrifying to think that that ship, you know, survived that crash, had people die in it, and it did make it back to land. That's <laughs> Just, it, crazy. That is one of the survivors. Moving on to the SV Zabrina in 1917. Let me go back to say that one's another good ghost story. I do like these haunting maritime disasters that lead into ghost ship stories. Yeah. And I think we can lead into some more deep dives into those, but they're not necessarily supernatural ghost story. A lot of the ghost ship stories I heard off it were just drunken sailor story, urban legend, you know? So I did write down these ones because they're kind of fun and big legends, but... Some of these maritime disasters are worth a You know, down. when I thought you were going to talk about, like, uh, ghost ships, I thought mm. you were going to talk about, like, the Queen Mary, like, those, like, the hauntings that are on ghost ships. Oh, that's a whole other thing we can get to. That's what I thought you were going to talk about. I wasn't, I didn't know that it was just literally going to be, like... Oh, just wait. There are so many haunted ships. We'll get to that someday. Okay. Um. So, let's move on to the SV Zabrina in 1917. The Zabrina was a schooner-rigged, three-masted sail barge, so it was just a flat barge meant for moving, moving, transporting goods, slow pace. Uh, so it was built in 1873 at Wistable. Uh, it was originally intended to trade on the River Plate in South America. Okay. So in 1917, the French port of Cherbourg in the English Channel was made aware that a ship had run aground at Rosal Point just to the south. The ship was a large three-masted sailing vessel that was later identified as the Sabrina. Yeah. Uh, so when rescue and salvage crews approached the ship, they found her in good condition, but there was no sign of her crew and no reason for them to abandon ship. Uh, the only damage was some disarrangement of the rigging, so like the ropes, masted sail, so that's obviously easily just fix. You fix the rigging. Right. And the last entry revealed that the ship had left Falmouth two days prior to the ship being found. So there's only two days of missing time that something could have happened. And it's also a pretty short distance between these locations relatively. I mean, it's really just kind of going across a strait in this in this area. Or like a big channel, sorry, rather. As in other mysteries of this kind, all of the cargo was still on board, making it unlikely of a pirate or military attack because they would have wanted to destroy or take the goods. Right. Uh, but this attack does happen happen during World War One in treacherous waters, and the ship was a target as it was transporting coal. So there is some validation as to why these sailors might have disappeared or at least why a reason why people would have wanted to kill them and take them. Right. Uh, but that doesn't account for why the cargo wasn't taken. Mm-hmm. Uh, the coal would have been highly valuable for either their side or, again, you would want to destroy that so it wouldn't fall into a- enemy hands. Right. The common theory is that the crew members were attacked and taken by a German U-boat. Because the cargo ship had the flat bottom, conventional torpedoes would have likely passed under it and that would have rendered them useless. So a cargo boat of their size normally had a crew of about six, but for some reason on this trip, it held a crew of 23 currently. Holy crap. Uh, so which would have been pretty hard for them to take over with small arms and hand-to-hand combat. Yeah. But they were also sitting on a bunch of coal. So it also might not be that hard to be like, I have a Molotov cocktail. I'll kill you. I can throw this aboard and you'll all die. Yeah. So, I mean, it might be kind of easy to get people hostage. I mean, if you just pop up in a U-boat and you're like, you're screwed. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that is a lot of people also to take hostage on a U-boat. So... I have my doubts about that. It just seems kind of unlikely. So there's never any report made uh, or records after the war from Germany of them taking any hostages or them taking the Zabrina at all. So some speculate that the U-boat was maybe engaged in combat and possibly sunk right after that. So they never had 
time to make any record of it. Uh, but even with the cooperation of Germany years later after the war, it's also a mystery to them what happened in the boat. And no body or sign of the crew was ever heard from again. A crew of 25 people all mysteriously yeah. missing with no signs of body in that sh- relatively short area of ocean is pretty mysterious. Is this like a common theme with a lot of these? What the bodies? Yeah, I mean, this is the big thing of a ghost ship mostly is a ship being found and it's completely emptied for no reason is essentially the definition of a ghost ship. Yeah. Do you think they go over the Bermuda Triangle and something happens where they go into a parallel universe and then they disappear forever and then the ship is just left? Yeah, that's a theory in a lot of these. Yeah, I've left that off one or two. Okay, that's it. I just... (laughs) just wanted to ask yeah that's definitely that's definitely a theory just because it's it was going to south america right this one actually does have that one did have a bermuda triangle theory we're like well maybe they passed that's why i was like is it this could it be yeah the sv carol a deering i'm just gonna call it the deering Mm -hmm. uh in 1921 so in august 1920 five months before the ship was discovered abandoned the Carol A. Deering set sail from Northfolk, Virginia in perfect shape with an experienced captain and a crew of 10 men aboard uh, bound for Rio de Janeiro. Uh, they also had a cargo of coal. Mm-hmm. Uh, the ship departed on August 22nd, and soon after that, Captain William H. Merritt fell ill and had to be replaced uh, by a hastily recruited Captain William B. Warm- Warmel. Sounds captain. trustworthy. Sorry, Captain W.B. Warmel. Uh, yeah, nah, wormy, a little wormy trusty. Yeah, that's why I said sounds trustworthy. Uh, the ship delivered its cargo and it was scheduled to set sail uh, to return in December. Okay. So on January 29th, 1921, Captain Jacobson aboard the Cape Lookout Lightship in North Carolina spotted the Deering bound for home uh, when he was hailed by one of the crewmen aboard who informed him that their ship had lost its anchors. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. I don't know how you do that, but pretty big mistake. Yeah. Uh, Captain Jacobson took note of it, but he was unable to call it in because his radio was down. But he noted that the crew, uh, he noted that the crew was, quote, mulling about the deck suspiciously. I don't know, like maybe they were trying to figure out where their anchors went. You know? <laughs> what a turn of events. We don't have any anchors. Well, my radio doesn't work. Yeah, so they're screwed. Uh, so two days later, C.P. Brady of the Cape Hateris Coast Guard Station uh, spotted the Deering running aground on Diamond Shawls with its sails still set full and its lifeboats missing. Same problem as before, where rough waters kept rescue boats from appro- approaching for four days. But when they arrived, they found that the crew had vanished, along with a lifeboat, though. Uh, so I'm were- assuming they probably just bailed when they're like, we can't find these anchors. Oh, let me give you the full thing. They had vanished with the lifeboat, their personal belongings, navigational equipment, personal papers, and, of course, the ship's anchors are missing. Yeah, they fucking ditched. So that's a lot. So let's break down a bunch of these theories quickly. <laughs> so, again, storms. Uh, hurricanes, the U.S. government uh, bureau strongly advised a series of hurricanes around the time. So maybe just, again, storm. They think it could have taken damage. But it really didn't. I mean, it, it didn't seem like there was enough damage for them to bail ship once again. So I kind of hate this theory. Yeah. Uh, piracy. Uh, Captain Parker of the United States Marine Shipping Board believed that piracy was responsible. He stated that, in his opinion, piracy without a doubt still exists and has since the you know time of the pirates. Right. Um, Captain's, Captain Wormel's widow was a particularly strong advocate for this theory. It was believed that a group of pirates was responsible for various disappearances around that time, actually. Russian communist piracy. A specific brand of piracy. Okay. During a police raid on the headquarters of the United Russian Workers Party in New York City, 
uh, officials allegedly found papers that called on members of the organization organization to seize American ships that set sail near Soviet Union. So it was widely believed uh, that the Deering incident at the time was one of the boats that was taken. Um, however, no evidence has ever surfaced of that boat in particular being taken. But they left, they took everything. Yeah. It and seems a like, lifeboat. Yeah, it seems like they left of their own accord. Yeah. Rum runners, similar speculation, lick, uh, just, you know, rum smugglers from the Bahamas, same kind of thing, ran across them, stole them. Uh, mutiny. Now we're getting somewhere. So are they just saying this just because they never found the crew? Most of these things, they, they first go, was it pirates? But a lot of these problems are they don't take the 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 cargo which is what they would have wanted so uh, pirate falls apart pretty quickly with that mutiny wormel's known conflict with his first mate and divisive comments towards his crew while in rio de janeiro rio de janeiro suggests that something may have happened uh between the captains and his men on the voyage uh captain jacobson at cape lookout certainly thought it was odd that the man who hailed his vessel was not the captain it was just some other guy on deck which usually would have been captain to captain paranormal explanation was it aliens <laughs> that's that's what this one comes down to so i'm not going to go into that at all sorry oh no problem this next one is a pretty interesting as far as the disappearances go now we have the joyita of 1955 uh about 5 a.m on october 3rd 1955 joyita left samoa's apia harbor bound for the tokala islands uh about 270 miles away the boat had been scheduled to leave around noon uh, the previous day, but got delayed because the engine clutch failed. So she was carrying a crew of 16 members and only had one working engine at the time. Jesus. Oh, sorry. Uh, it was carrying 16 crew members and nine passengers, including a government official and a doctor, Alfred Parsons, who was a World War II surgeon on his way to perform an amputation. So it was a pretty important thing to get him there. Yeah. Uh, so the voyage was expected to take between 41 and 48 hours, but the ship did not arrive for a few days. On October 5th and 6th, a message was finally uh, sent out at port that the ship never breached, breached its destination. Okay. So from the 6th to the 12th, the Royal Air Force covered nearly 100,000 square miles of ocean, but no sign of the ship was found. Hmm. Five weeks later on November... Five weeks? Yep. Five weeks later on November 10th, Gerald Douglas, the captain of a merchant ship uh, en route uh, somewhere else, uh, about 600 miles west of the scheduled route where the ship should have been, uh, the ship was partially submerged and listing heavily with her deck rails awash, partially under the water. Yeah. There was no trace of any of the crew or the passengers when they got there. Four tons of cargo were also missing. Uh, and the recovery party noticed that the radio discovered was tuned to 2,182 hertz, or KH, KHC, uh, which would have been the International Distress Channel. Pirates. This one seems the most piratey. Yeah. So here's a little bit about the, the ship as they found it uh, when, when they came up on it. Mm-hmm. So barnacles were growing unusually high above the waterline, showing that it had been listing for a long time. Yeah. There was superficial damage. So there was superstructure damage. Uh, the flying bridge had been smashed. The deckhouse had light damage. There was broken windows. A uh, ton of just damage on it. Yeah. The, it carried a dinghy and three life rafts, but all that was missing, yeah. and there were not enough life jackets for everybody aboard. Oof. The starboard engine was found to be covered with a mattress, so it seems like they were trying to stop water from getting to it. Yeah. And the clutch was still partially disassembled, showing that they still only had one working engine at the time. 
An auxiliary pump had been rigged in the engine room and was mounted on a plank, but it was never completely connected, meaning they probably had some sort of flooding that they were going to try to quickly fix, but they just left before they got around to it. Yeah. Uh, the radio on board was tuned to the International Distress Channel, uh, but there was a break in the cable, meaning they actually would have only had about a radio range of two miles. Oh, my god! Yeah, but they probably would not have known that. No. Uh, there was a split wire, but they painted black over it so they couldn't tell. <laughs> um, the electrical clocks on board had all stopped at 1025, uh, which would have been br- the switch cabins and the, the lighting. So essentially, they lost power to the ship at yeah. 1025 when everything started to go downhill. Uh, a doctor's bag was found on deck containing a stethoscope, a scalpel, and four lengths of bloodstained bandages. Yep. There was still fuel on the tanks, and from the amount used, it was calculated that it still had like 243 miles before it would have been needed to be abandoned. Yeah. Uh, the leak in the water coming on board had probably started around 9 p.m. the second night of the voyage, uh, with nine hours of total darkness ahead of them. Although it was found uh, with water under deck, the hull was very sound. And actually, it was used to uh, move uh, ship cooling refrigerators. And because of the heavy cargo, the entire boat was lined in cork. And it was said that this boat is virtually impossible to sink because of all the cork lining. So even though it took on a shit ton of water, it was listing. No matter which way this boat would have been, upside down, whatever, it probably never would have sank. It was just way too buoyant for that. So there was an inquiry held uh, to what happened. Let me skip through this. Okay, so the inquiry placed a lot of the blame on uh, Captain Miller. Uh, They found him being reckless. And this was the person they put in charge last minute after their captain got sick. Right. Essentially, they found it was probably just negligence maybe at his fault that the ship fell apart. They probably abandoned ship thinking it was no longer salvageable, even though he it was so buoyant, you know. Yeah. So hypothesis. So given that the fact that the whole of the Joyita was so sound uh, and it made her almost unsinkable, a main concern was determining why the passengers and the crew didn't just stay on board. Mm -hmm. Uh, Captain Miller said that he was well aware of the vessel's ability to stay afloat, leading some to speculate that he had died or become incapacitated, uh, which is why he would not have made the call to leave. They're saying that maybe some of those bloody bandages, there was some sort of incident that rendered him unconscious, so he was no longer making the calls. Yeah. Um, there's also a Japanese involvement. So the newspaper, uh, there was a newspaper headline accusing Japan, the Fiji times and Herald quoted, uh, an impeccable source that the Joita had passed through a fleet of Japanese fishing boats during this trip and had observed something the Japanese did not want them to see. The daily telegraph in London hypothesized that some still active Japanese forces from world war II were to blame for this. So one of those kind of horrifying thing of people still just acting out in wartime after yeah. post wartime. So maybe some of that because there were reports of that happening in the area at the time. Yeah. Insurance fraud. Uh, it was also revealed that Miller had uh, assumed a mass amount of debts at the time. So they were thinking maybe he was just trying to, you know, insurance this. But again, he knew how hard it would have been to sink this boat and scuttle it. So it's thought that that's stupid because, I mean, it, yeah, it's impossible to do it. The mutiny hypothesis. Okay. This one is the higher one. Okay. So the event started uh, probably around the flooding from a broken cooling pipe. So it wasn't even like water coming aboard. It was just like a plumbing issue on board. Yeah. And then also failure of the pumps. So they didn't have a way to get the water from coming out. Mm-hmm. Uh, the mattress they found covering the starboard engine was probably an attempt to protect the electrical switchboard as the water level rose. Yeah. And it was also uh, encountering heavy swells at the time during a squall. Okay. So Captain Miller, knowing Joey to be unsinkable and desperate to reach the destination, probably wanted to keep pressing on. 
However, Simpson and other crew members demanded to turn back, they assume. They, they think that he had a stronger knowledge of his boat. They were like, we're going to sink. We can't keep going forward. So their theory is that maybe a fight But broke. they should have just kept going forward because the they were they're about like, that. I know. But if it was like, what, a two-day journey? Mm-hmm. And they were like, what, on the second day this all happened? Yep. Yeah. So the theory is essentially that with everything flooding, them panicking, someone attacked the captain, captain, possibly killing him, which would explain the doctor's bag, the blood and stuff. Yeah. So... It still seems unlikely that Simpson would have chosen to abandon the ship, but maybe like they saw a nearby reef or island and thinking they could reach it, they would just go there but got drifted out to sea by the strong currents and the and and the the squall going on at the time. Yeah. So that's the highest I could see that. One. And number three, was it aliens? Gosh. No, I that did I, I didn't see any <laughs> like, of those on this one. Stop. All of them pr- proposed this question, my friend. Okay. This is going to be the final one I bring to you today. This is the Oring Madan of 1947, and this one is 100% fake. Why do you say it's 100% fake? Because I looked into it, and people looked into it, and there's just no records of it. Some of the ships mentioned there's records of those existing, but there's no records of this incident happening. What year did this take place? 1947. Okay. So this started from essentially a paper clipping at the time posting this ghost story. Okay. But there isn't a lot of facts validating it. Or it is just happening somewhere that there might have... It might have just been loose facts. This might just be a 1947 terrifying ghost story lost to time. But... Okay. So, according to the story, at some point around June 1947, two American vessels navigating the Straits of Malacca... The city of Baltimore and the Silver Star, uh, among other passing ships, picked up distress signals from the nearby Dutch merchant ship Orang Medan. A radio operator aboard the troubled vessel sent out the following message in Morse code. SOS from the Orang Medan. We float. All officers, including the captain, dead in chat room and on the bridge. Probably whole of crew dead. There's a few, few confused dots that didn't translate to anything. Okay. And then two more words claimed through clearly, I die. After that message, there was nothing more heard. Uh, when the Silver Star crew eventually located and boarded uh, the undamaged Orang Medan in an attempt at a rescue, the ship was found littered with corpses, including the carcass of a dog. Uh, everywhere, the dead bodies were sprawled on their backs and frozen with faces of terror burnt on their face, apparently. So they were found essentially like the bodies from the ring. Yeah. All over the place. Uh, no survivors were located and no visible injuries on the bodies could be observed. The way that you described that was, spoiler alert, Stranger Things 4. Yeah, kind of. We're cutting that out. We don't do spoilers. It's the <laughs> ring. Uh, just as the ship was prepared to be towed away by the Silver Star, a fire suddenly broke out on the ship's number four cargo hold, forcing the bar- boarding party to hastily evacuate the doomed Dutch freighter, thus preventing any further investigation to be carried out. And soon after... It exploded and sank. Exploded and sank? Yep, just like a movie. Great. Uh, so, the sur- so this first appeared in a series of articles in a Dutch-Indonesian newspaper in 1948. Okay. Uh, several authors note the inability to find any mention of this case in the Lloyd Shipping Register. So it wasn't do- none of this was documented. Mm-hmm. Uh, furthermore, no registration records of a ship by that name could be located in various countries, uh, including the Netherlands. The Silver Star was reported as a real ship that did have uh, a failed rescue attempt around that time. Okay. But the ship's logs didn't didn't depict that. It was just a failed rescue attempt. They didn't get to the boat, it seems like. Okay. Uh, but people have put forward the possibility that the accounts may be just being inaccurate or exaggerated, 
or that the story is completely fictitious. Yeah. So this one just seems like an old-fashioned ghost story, but it's, I, it's fun. But I do like those ones too. I wanted to have a good mix of like those mysterious what happened to them. It was aliens, and then not aliens, and then and then those real creepy ones. You know who? Yeah. Which of these were your favorite? Um, probably the frozen to death one. That one's creepy. That one's just like you just picture it in your mind. You're like that's pretty fucked up to just walk upon. Yeah, that one has great imagery and stuff that has made it into pop culture and movies and stuff. Yeah. And also the Mary Celeste. That's another famous pop culture one that people have probably heard of. But there are a few of these I would like to do a few deep dives on, as well as just other maritime tragedies that are horrific to find out about, but very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, I, I don't know. It's just weird. And I still can't believe that they all kind of... Not they all revert back, but that aliens is even a possible theory. Oh, t- everything on this podcast will end with, but was it aliens? But most of the time it's going to be no, until okay. we do an alien episode. Okay. Well, thanks for listening to our take on ghost ships. This was just, uh, you know, scratching the surface at some of this. We'll come back to some of these maybe at a later date. Do but the more spooky stuff. More spooky stuff. If you like what you heard, make sure you like on your favorite podcast app, like, subscribe, and rate. Uh, we're just a small grassroots podcast, so... That helps us get up tremendously in the listings, so we would greatly appreciate that. Yes. Uh, If you want more content, make sure you check out everything from the Majestic Jam Network, Urban Hermit Podcast for your banter hangout, Cult Classics Podcast for your movie club, and that's it. (laughs) We'll check you guys on the next episode. Bye. Later. Bye.